Hello, Packers fans. Welcome into the Green 19 podcast from JS Online and PackersNews.com. I'm Cassidy Hill, joined as always by Tom Silverstein and Ryan Wood here at Lambeau Field, where the Packers have gotten an overtime 31 28 win over the Dallas Cowboys. Guys, a win that they needed as a team emotionally, mentally, mathematically to stay in playoff contention. I mean, I know it's not all their problems are fixed with one win and it's still a long way to go, but when they were staring down the barrel of a six-game losing streak, how big was this performance tonight? Um, it, it was important to win a game at home. I think we talked about it. They definitely needed to win one of these two games, and ideally they need to win both. <laughs> anything's, anything's possible. You know, I didn't rule them out last week, and I still don't rule them out. The NFC is really bad, and um, I think the Cowboys are a prime example of that. The Cowboys, as I said in my column today, everybody is flawed. There isn't a team that's just, you know, the Eagles are the closest to the sure thing. I mean, even the Vikings eked out you know, game they should have lost. And they, they have some flaws too, but everybody is flawed. And and the Cowboys came in here having won six of their last seven games. And they, they fell apart just like the Packers did mm-hmm. against Detroit. So I think we're just seeing all of that. And it's going to be whoever gets hot at the end, I think. Who, who survives. Before um, you jump in, I want to pull out something with Spoon's comment for you to address. He said the Cowboys fell apart, kind of like the Packers did versus the Lions. I, I felt like this was a different game than Packers versus Lions. Do you feel like the Cowboys fell apart, or do you feel like the Packers actually punched back? Well, both. I mean, when you cough up 14-point lead, you come back from 14-point lead. It's both. Spoon, I love you. What a challenge you here. Mm-hmm. To me... The Vikings would be a sure thing, a for real thing, if they were in different uniforms. If they weren't the Vikings, with their history and their their you know successive failures, that's a really talented football team. The Eagles, ah, they win every week, so it's hard to discard them. I mean, I, I'm more no, no. I I wanted to preface that with Eagles, Vikings, and even maybe the Giants, are going to be playoff teams. You're saying there's wild-card spots. But I still do think that everybody is flawed to to some degree. What do you think the Vikings' flaw is? I don't know if you got into that. Um, I I think that defensively that you you can do some stuff against them, that they're not really deep. Their offensive line isn't that great. I think you can harass um Kirk Cousins I I think they're pretty strong otherwise um their pass rush is really good but I I don't think they're like a dominant team look at all the teams how close their games have been that's probably the best thing about them is that they win close games winning in Buffalo man uh yeah but Josh Allen was hurt yeah true and you know he was definitely not himself at all I think that's a really talented team. I get your point on the offensive line. That's been their bugaboo for, for years now. Um, Cassidy, to your opening comment, how they needed this win in, in all kinds of different ways, the Packers. Emotionally, let's break that one down first. Matt LaFleur was emotional at the podium. 
I mean, he, he teared up at the podium. He, he was very transparent on how hard this five-game losing streak has been. Let's keep in mind, they never lost two back-to-back regular season games in a row before this losing streak began. To lose five straight, point. yeah, to, to lose five straight, mm-hmm. it, it, was, it was hard. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers was as transparent as, and he's usually transparent, but as transparent as you could ever find, talking about the emotional low to high from last week to this week, saying that it was depressive after the Lions game, saying that, admitting that, that there was a voice in his head trying to knock him off that confidence perch. W- when have we ever heard Aaron Rodgers talking about some shakiness in his own confidence. I, I can't remember that ever happening. And he did that tonight. He said that he it was it was a rock bottomish low point after the lines. He came in this week and for whatever reason, inexplicable, he just felt all week like they were going to win. They're down two touchdowns entering the fourth quarter. The Cowboys all time had never lost a game when trailing two touchdowns in the fourth quarter until now. So, from an emotional standpoint, it was cathartic. From a mathematical standpoint, mm-hmm. they're four and six. They were four and six in 2016. They ran the table. Does lightning strike twice in the same spot? I, I just Sci- I have scientifically, a, yes, it does. But I, I, you know. it can, it can. But but how often? You know, I just I have a I have a hard time seeing it. To Spoon's point, I think the best thing that that they have going for them is a very shallow NFC. This NFC is much worse, much less less depth than what they ran into in 2016 when they ran the table. That was a much better conference. That might open the door, but I have a hard mathematically in terms of the relevancy of the season. I think this was a big win for them cathartically. Uh, I, I I still have a hard time seeing it. When um, they were down in the fourth quarter. The new safety, Jonathan Abram, guys were talk- uh, several guys talked about this tonight. He was just going up and down the sideline telling guys, we're not going to lose this game. We're going to win it by three. Get back up. We're not going to lose this game. And and Rasul Douglas was telling me after the game, he was like, we needed that. You know, we just needed somebody to tell us we're not going to lose. Fresh blood. Yeah. A <laughs> guy and, from the – the Raiders. The Raiders, ah, right? Yeah. <laughs> the worst. Who lost, who, who lost to Jeff Saturday today? <laughs> yeah. Oy. The Jags last week. Jeez. But, um, you know, and, and Abram well, didn't that's play. That's how low the Packers were. That right. They got inspired by a guy from the, the Raiders. Raiders. They were um, low, though. They were really They were, low. and that they just kind of needed that boost to be like, hey, we're done with this feeling. Let's find a way to get over it. I mean, golly, Aaron Rodgers laid a block tonight. <laughs> like, on a – play that was not designed for him to do so I mean so to your point yeah cathartically probably felt like he was exercising some demons um as we said though Jonathan Abram for as much of a spark as he might have provided on the sidelines did not play on defense despite some defensive changes um we saw Darnell Savage play in the slot during some sub packages and when that happened Rudy Ford came in at safety Rudy Ford with two huge huge interceptions that led to perhaps some of the best complimentary football we've actually seen the Packers play this season because they had not been doing so thus far. With Eric Stokes out and this and Rasul Douglas moving outside, we kind of expected Keyshawn Nixon to be in the slide because that's what the Packers had been doing when Jair Alexander was hurt. That's what they did. It makes a little bit more sense now as to why LaFleur kind of 
snapped at me on Wednesday and said he didn't want to talk about that lineup. <laughs> and I talked with Darnell Savage this week, and he was really skittish. I talked a lot about the slot. He was really skittish on Thursday about playing in the slot, what he wanted to play in the slot. Uh-huh. How we know why. By Thursday, he knew he was playing in the right. slot. Right. So, Spoon, let me just start with you. Is is this lineup with Savage playing in sub in the slot and, and Ford at safety, did it just happen to work against the Cowboys, or is this sustainable? Well, I think it's I think it's their best option, and I don't know why it took so long for him to go to it. You know, so I asked him if Rasul Douglas could play safety. You know, oh well, we don't have anyone to replace Rasul Douglas. Rudy Ford's been on this well, team. Well, yeah, Rudy Ford is there, and Rasul Douglas. You know, at that time, Eric Stokes was healthy, so I don't I don't get it. I think Savage. Um, you know, we'll see because this is the first time the Cowboys, any team has seen him in the slot regularly. And he played man coverage a lot. And that's what he does really well. Um, the one thing he didn't offer them was anything on the blitz. He blitzed probably a half dozen times and didn't come close. He's just too small. It's when Rasul Douglas comes, you know, he brings some weight with him and Savage has to learn how to do that um, to be an effective slot. You gotta, you gotta be able to blitz. But I thought he covered pretty well. Um, he gave up a few, but everybody gives up a few in the slot, especially to CD Lamb. You know, and it should be noted though the one of the CD Lamb touchdowns when Lamb split. Uh, Savage and Jair Alexander. Oh, Jair, Alexander Jair Alexander took complete yeah. blame for that in the post game. It was. It Did was he man say coverage. what happened on that play? He said he fell asleep. I didn't know if he was trying to jump an inside route or what, but yeah, he yeah. F- fell asleep. Yeah, Lamb just put, put a really good move on him and and smoked him. Mm-hmm. Um, he had his ups and downs. Jair Alexander had his ups and downs today. He came back on that fourth and three. That was a huge play. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, I mean, I thought for the most part that worked and it just is beyond me that they hadn't he hadn't even considered it before and you know it allows them to blitz a little bit more because they got a Mm -hmm. guy who can play man coverage in the slot anyway it's the second time this season that an injury has prompted this coaching staff one on each side of the ball to make a change that everyone thought needed to be changed let's not let's not forget Josh Nyman didn't actually go to right tackle yeah. until Jake Hansen got hurt. He was going to be the solution. And then at that point, they're like, okay, they got to change the, the interior round and put Josh Nyman on right tackle. And it wasn't until and, – and in this case, I think it's pretty clear because Jonathan Abram was not going to play today on defense. He just didn't have enough time this week to really have a significant role. It had to be Rudy Ford. And – the injury to Eric Stokes meant that Rasul Douglas had to be outside, which meant that you're missing a slot guy now. You have to put Darnell Savage in. If not for that injury to Eric Stokes, I don't, I don't know you see Darnell Savage in the slot. And he just looks so much more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he gave up a couple catches to C.D. Lamb. Most DBs in the NFL do that. C.D. Lamb is a good receiver. Mm-hmm. He, he had one PBU in nine games all season – he had two today. Now, the second one didn't count because it was 12 men on the field, but that didn't really affect his cover on the play. He had two today. 
Mm-hmm. I, he just he looked he, when when you put him in a, in a situation where there's less thinking, there's just more reading, reacting, let your athleticism take over. It simplified the game for Darnell Savage, and, and it's just it's beyond me that it took this long to make that move. When hey, if only we had a safety to replace Darnell Savage with well, a guy that you're replacing with that two picks. You think there's less? Uh, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to agree or argue with you. I think there's more thinking before the snap and safety and less less after, sure. But there's more, I mean, sorry, at nickel. I think there's more before the snap. I think that safety is a much more complicated position than nickel. Not even close. Being that much closer to the yes, ball? Yes, it's more read and react. The, the game happens a lot faster. There's much less to take into consideration. It's far less complex safety yeah a lot of times you're you're disguising coverages when you're at safety mm-hmm. when you're in the slot you're basically playing man to man and most of the time you're playing man to man that's all you got to do is cover the guy this is now, your sometimes assignment. sometimes you know they'll play off and and play his own coverage um but i don't think it's the slot is horribly complicated no. unless it's you know there's a lot of blitzing or or some kind of really fancy defense especially compared to safety yeah. safety is one of the more complex positions on the field let's look at the front seven before we move on to offense no Rashawn Gary today this is the first time they they have been without him um it, you're going to miss someone like that no matter what but do you feel like there were enough changes made to sort of counteract his loss Spoon? no <laughs> no, not even close. I mean, I, I continue to be impressed with Anikbari. I just think he's he's their only option for pass rushing to replace Gary. And he got a hand on one of those interceptions. I think it, I think it was the second one. Um, he get he tipped that ball, and I think that was a big reason why it got picked off. Um, but. Man, there was one play where Ladarius Hamilton just got crushed into the middle, and Tony Pollard, it might have been Pollard or it might have been the other guy. Um, Davis. Yeah, but, I mean, it, it was just embarrassing. So Garvin, I thought, played a really solid game on all the bootlegs. Mm-hmm. Like, he he kept his, you know, discipline. You know, Rashawn Gary on some of those would have chased him. But Garvin refused to get fooled when Dak Prescott ran the bootlegs, and I think that helped quite a bit. Um, but yeah, you can't replace that guy. I mean, there's just there's just no way, and and they'll have to ride with Anikbari, I think, as their pass rusher. It's just the way it's going to be. Their run defense was pretty bad again, and I don't know what the deal is. I I don't know where Kenny Clark has kind of disappeared a little bit, and I'm not sure why. Um, it's not lack of effort. It never is with him. Um, that's that's going to be an issue. That's a flaw of theirs is that they, just like the Cowboys, they can't stop the run. Mm-hmm. Imagine if they had Ezekiel Elliott today, right? Garvin had the PBU on one of those boots against Dak Prescott, yes, which is, yes, which is a big did. play. Yeah. You know who I thought was really good? And as a whole, 30,000-foot view, I thought the pass rush got better as the game went on, which is probably as expected. I mean, you miss, you lose a Rashawn Gary. It's going to take a little while to figure that out. I, I did think it got better, but Jerron Reed played really well. Mm-hmm. He, he missed the sack 
or the, the excuse me the safety um and he missed another sack on the uh, fourth down but mm-hmm. that fourth down his pressure his hit he had three quarterback hits and that that fourth down hit on Dak Prescott forced an incompletion I yeah. mean that he, he it's hard to bring down Dak Prescott it is know? it definitely is you know he he he's had a quietly a, a a really solid season for them and he was good today and and that's well, except for the interceptions yeah you know, both. I don't know how much the he shouldn't have thrown the first one and the second one. I don't know. No, uh, Jaron Reed was good today. Oh, I thought you said. Prescott. I was like, wait a second, Jaron Reed. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. No, yeah, yeah. Jaron Reed. Jaron Reed was good today. Yeah, and he's been quietly pretty solid all season. I you took the point right out of my mouth, spoon. I, I, where Kenny Clark has gone, I. I don't know, and 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 he's you know he's a guy that's got to fight off double sometimes triple teams, and that's going to happen. But that's going to happen. That happens to all the elite interior d- defensive linemen in this league. It's 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 part of life that you that they learn to live with. And yeah, for Kenny Clark, it, wh- where does the missing production come from without Rashawn uh, Rashawn Gary? It, it's got to it's got to come more from Kenny Clark. You know who has impressed me, especially sort of getting thrust into a role, um, is Isaiah McDuffie. Mm-hmm. And and with him there, allowing Quay Walker to play a little more on the edge. I mean, he can use his speed. He chased down two or three plays tonight from behind. Yeah, that was so, really nice. I think it was Pollard that was a swing pass. Yes, you know, out there, and nobody else on that team, I think, could have made that tackle mm-hmm. except him and closed on it that fast. But yeah, I agree. McDuffie is really good between the tackles. If you can keep him from getting matched up with somebody in coverage, then mm-hmm. you're doing okay. Which but, is what Quay Walker's there for. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when Devondre Campbell comes back, that'll that'll help their run defense some too. I mean, he's – In theory, he's had a kind of a rough year, it feels like. I don't think it's been rough. I think it's been not as – perfect as it was last year that's fair he was almost perfect last year (coughs) and that was that's highly unusual I mean he had a contract year year and now he's he's still a really good player um he's just not doing everything perfect that's fair uh let's flip to the offensive side of the ball they had more, I think we they popped a graphic up on NBC Sports or, or Fox Sports during the game about the passes downfield, that it had been more in the past couple of games than it had been in like the first six games combined. Still ran the ball extremely well, 207 yards. Aaron Jones ended with 24 rushes, 138 yards. A.J. Dillon with 13 for 65. That's... 37 touches between those two guys just running the ball. I mean, that's that's what you want, right, mm-hmm. as an offense. And we we talked so much about the run game, opening up the pass game. And in the past few weeks when they have attempted to do that, the pass game just hasn't been there. Tonight it was there, thanks in large part to Christian Watson. What can the emergence of him finally maybe maybe and again this is just one game but maybe sort of turning that rookie corner after having a lot of setbacks with injuries what could that do for this downfield passing game Ryan? I mean, guys, what have I been saying for weeks? It's not enough to just run the football. No NFL offense can live on handoffs alone. 
you have to be able to stretch the field at some point. Pick and choose your spots. Be patient. Don't be careless with it like they were against the Giants and London. Just chuck deep, deep. The, that This offense can't do that. But this, to me, was exactly the game plan and the production distribution that they need, which is you know, Aaron Jones had 24 carries, really 25. It was the first play of the game. It was a little flip to him. It was called a pass. 25 real carries, the most he's had all season. They had 38 real carries between the two. Aaron Rodgers only threw the ball 20 times, but three receivers had a 20-yard catch today. Alan Lazard took a little third-and-one slant in overtime and turned it into 36 yards. Christian Watson had not one but two touchdowns that were deep down the field, 39-yard, 58-yarder. This is what they need. They've got to find – they've had to find something down the field in the passing game to be able to complement and support their run game. And there's not a coincidence that they finally cracked the 30-point mark for the first time all season. It's because they they did everything through the run, a ton of action fakes, and that set up their opportunities to hit deep shots down the field and the playmakers on the perimeter actually finish those plays. This is what they need from here on out. If they do this, it will be a much better offense. Run first, action fake, and actually get some deep shots to complement the run game. Spoon, after the game, I was in the elevator with Brian Gunnkus riding down, and he kind of stepped in. He, like, leaned up against the back wall, closed his eyes, and just let out the biggest sigh of relief that Mm. you've heard, Mm. probably for a lot of reasons. But he's taken some heat for trading up to draft Christian Watson, Mm -hmm. where he did. Is this what they wanted out of him? Well, Absolutely. I mean, I think he showed everything that they saw in him. Um, he's a remarkable athlete, and, and we knew that, you know. I mean, he is, you know, Calvin Johnson-esque. Um, he, he's got all the tools. He just, you know, needed some confidence. And, and you know, the drops are – they knew about the drops. The drops were part of his game, a big part of why a lot of people didn't, um, why he got passed up in the first round, because he's got first round talent by far. Um, but they just thought he didn't have very good hands, and he showed that again um, that he didn't early on. But it was important that he came through. I just don't think you can, um, you you can't replicate that kind of speed in a game you can't have somebody um you know you can't scheme that is what i'm trying to say you can't scheme that kind of speed you want a guy to you know run a go route he's he can just win it and um he's their last chance i mean he was their last chance all along since the trade deadline you know i mean he, he was their only chance to get something explosive in the in the pass game. And so he came through. Now, <laughs> Dallas did not spend a lot of time on him. Um, <laughs> Trayvon Diggs, after the game, I asked him, did you even know who Christian Watson was? And he said, I didn't really know any of them. You know, <laughs> I didn't really think that much about any of them. Good so, reason. That you can't blame him, really. No, no. I mean, he's tell he's he was like honestly, I didn't really think about any of them, and 
now, you know, Christian Watson's, um, you know, he people keep an eye on him. They'll mm-hmm. in certain situations yeah. they're not going to let him run man to man. But that's good, you know, because the Packers do want teams to keep their safeties back so they can, like you said, yeah. run the ball. They got to keep running the ball. They got to keep giving Aaron Jones the ball. And again, the Cowboys are flawed, just like the Packers. They can't stop the run. Um, I I was talking to Malik Hooker in the locker room afterward, and I said, you know, they kept hitting you with that Aaron Jones, um, you know, pitch. A little zone pitch. Yeah, and, you know, were you guys ready for that or, or you know? And he was like, people have been doing that on us all year. It was no different than anybody – game we've played we we suck against the run and so it's like every time you got to find what that team's flaw is and you got to work it and they worked it against the Cowboys so give them credit for that did you you guys see the look on Christian Watson's face after that second drop the cameras caught a Mm close-up of his face and you want to talk about a dude whose confidence was shot I mean, the way that I described it, the only, only way I could think of was the hope was just drained from his eyes. I mean, there it was just exasperation and, oh, my God, how can, how can I catch a break? You know, mm-hmm. two, two drops back-to-back on the opening drive. And to come back from that was impressive. But the way that he came back from that, everyone – even Christian Watson, even though he was asked about it after the game, he said, I don't remember which play you're talking about. Everyone remembers the first play of the season. Mm-hmm. Everyone remem- remembers him dusting Patrick Peterson three steps behind him on the on the very opening play in Minnesota and dropping a 75-yard touchdown. And Aaron Rodgers, I asked him after the game, it's a long list, three touchdowns, only the fourth Packers rookie receiver ever to have three touchdowns. James Lofton. Billy Houghton and Max McGee, the only other three, mm. which one to you was the most impressive, the most important? And he said, it's got to be the first one. And the reason why is because when Christian Watson g- got here, everyone knew the hands were inconsistent. He, as you said, he's got the talent, the athleticism, but he cannot consistently catch. And where he really struggled was, over, according to Aaron Rodgers, was over the shoulder tracking it with his eyes. What was that first play of the season? Over the shoulder tracking it and it hit him right in the hands – for a 75-yard score, and he dropped it, it's the same type of play. On the right side of the field, he goes deep, he gets open, the ball's over his shoulder. This time he catches it. It was a much tougher catch. And he had had missed one. And he missed one like that earlier in the game, almost exactly like it. Well, the, later in the game when he didn't track it, uh, it was it was after the touchdown when, when, when oh, he, right, he, he right, didn't track it. Right. That's been his his Achilles heel is not just catching but specifically tracking it over his eyes. If he's able to do that consistently, then the athleticism takes over. I, everything they did tonight, it, it was good. I just I don't know if they can replicate this week in and week out. If they do, they will start to win, but I don't know that they can. I, you know, I to me the most impressive play that I, I understand what you're saying exactly. Um, but the seven-yard touchdown, he just ran right by two guys. I mean, those two guys, that's it. That He's their guy, and he just left them both in the dust, and that's just something you can't teach. You know, you just yeah. can't, and you can't scheme. 
He did that on the 39 yarder too. It was is mm-hmm. similar play. I mean, he and, and mm-hmm. the one with the 39 yarder is that their their corner at inside leverage on what was supposed to be a crossing route. So it took that away. He made a really good adjustment five yards downfield where instead of cutting it across immediately, he went upfield behind the corner and then cut it across, mm. which was improvisation. And a rookie who's able to read coverage and translate that to his talent. Uh, but yeah, I mean, both of those were, were crossing routes, one shallow, one deep. A lot of those things, that he, it wasn't just talent. I mean, he, he had a really good night for himself. For as much as we have harped on on Rogers, you know, exasperation with these rookies, and and sort of forcing it to Lazard, Tunyon, Cobby when he's out there. I know you were you were in on Rogers tonight, right? What did he have to say about being willing to go back to Watson after those drops? Well, what I thought Matt Lafleur had to say was especially interesting because I asked him. Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers went back over to the, to him on the sideline after those drops and said, we're coming right back to you. Keep your head up. And if you saw the look on his face again after those that second drop, he probably needed that pep talk. And I asked Matt LaFleur, was that out of necessity because there's no one else? Or have you actually seen something tangible behind the scenes and practices and meetings that gave you an idea that this type of thing was – Possibly said it was both, but he I mean he he acknowledged that yeah it's necessity like they don't they don't have anyone else to your point spoon he is their last chance because he's the talented guy it's got to be him and they know that um, I thought it was really interesting Aaron Rodgers said keep in mind Aaron Rodgers been pretty hard on on, on the rookies he, uh, the the mental mistakes he he's been pretty harsh he said that Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson are guys that get really down on themselves. As young guys, they, they they're yeah, very hard on why. themselves. <laughs> he said that he, he said that he he early in the season, I don't know if this was camp or the first couple of weeks, he went over to Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon and said, "Keep an eye on these two guys to make sure they don't get too down on themselves." Well, how about you be the guy who <laughs> props them up like he did today? Said, you know what is so hard about that to you know go over to the guy and say, "I'm coming back to you," yeah. you yeah. know. I, where was this weeks ago, you know? Instead I, of just hammering him on yeah, Pat McAfee every single week. I know. It's just beyond me, and I, I just don't think that is a great way to, to approach it. Especially with, with young guys yeah. who you know are hard on themselves on their own. Right, and it's not like they're not – like there's some guys who aren't in the playbook or they don't yeah. practice well Those or two are. whatever, yeah. but – those two guys are like model citizens, mm-hmm. you know, and and work harder than anybody. So, yeah, that that kind of hurts Ro- me a little bit. Romeo <laughs> Dobbs told me one time. He said, "I'm lucky. I'm so lucky. I have Kenny Clark next to me because he keeps me out of my head." So Kenny Clark has become Romeo Dobbs' like therapist yeah, over his there. Muse. His, yeah, <coughs> he's he's become his his therapist over there in the locker room. Um. Can we also address, as long as I, you know, I am the, I am the um, uh, Rogers behavior specialist. <laughs> you are. You, you know are. him inside PhD. and out. PhD but over here. Am I wrong, or was he out of line in screaming at the floor on the sideline? I was about there? to bring that up. I, I, to me, you know, you got to remember that yeah. Lafleur's got to be the guy who's in charge of the locker room 
Yeah. Aaron, you are not the head coach. Sort of undermines him. It does undermine him. Mm -hmm. And I think he was wrong. In my opinion, I think Rodgers was wrong. So, I think LaFleur was correct in the way he handled it. Why? So this was just to just set up, and just in case people are are, are falling behind or are not remembering, um, this was the two-minute drive at the end of the first half. It, essentially a two-minute drive. It was within two minutes. And they ran two plays in a minute off oh, of the clock. This was the end of the, this this the, end of the regulation. Quarter. This was They had a, the ball back regulation. with 138 sorry, left in the, at the end of the fourth quarter. I and apologize. I, I, I'm curious, Boone, because to me, I think that you can certainly have a debate on whether or not it's good to scream at your head coach in the in front of cameras on the sideline during a game. But I, I'm not sure I, 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 I see where Aaron Rodgers is coming from. I mean, they, they play, ran two plays in a minute. and Doesn't Rodgers call the plays in the two-minute offense, well, not He didn't today, though. He did it today, which well, I think is another. in the two-minute, really. They were in right. more of a standard offense, which is what really pissed him yeah. off that, you know, LaFleur didn't give him the keys to the Yeah. To the but I think between the, surely, clearly not being in the two-minute, not having the autonomy at the line of scrimmage to direct the drive with the play calls, Aaron Rodgers, but the clock management as well. As Aaron Rodgers said, he felt like they were 30 yards away from going – and winning a game in yeah. regulation, and they were very, so, very passive. So did he in the 49ers game when he went three and out, you know, three different times, and they kept giving the 49ers the ball back. He, he, he. If he had had it his way on third down, um, if they hadn't run all that time off the clock, Dallas could have got the ball back with a minute left. But you could argue if they hadn't ran all the time off the clock, they could actually run it, especially with one timeout on that third and one. They still could have. They, still they, they were down have. to what? Less than thirty seconds at that point. Yeah, thirty seconds when and that cost a timeout. Right. If they, yeah, right. If they run it, but even if they pass it, third and one. Since when is he against passing on third and one? That's what the touchdown I, was. I mean, give me a break. Lafleur did not lead. Did not want to leave McCarthy time to. Um, get in field goal range, which he could have. He easily could have. And I, I have no problem with the way he handled that. I, I really don't. With the way he called the plays in that situation? I, I don't know what the plays were. I'm just saying the clock management. don't okay. stop the clock with a minute 38. So you run Aaron Jones, don't stop the clock right away because the clock isn't your enemy. The yardage is. You need to get down down the field, and you need to not score too soon. Because they were st or, they were still or, in their own territory when they punted, right? Yeah. Yes. I think there. I just me. I think there could have been a little bit more hurry up at the end. I'm not. I'm with you. I don't think you leave the Cowboys time, but with a little more hurry up, they do have the option that I didn't think they really had to run the ball in that third and one. And had they actually put together a drive, the clock was going to be an issue for them. It. It was, but I've seen Rodgers manipulate the clock like that. The 
49ers game. How much time was left in that? 54 seconds? Seconds. 30, 37 seconds. Well, we last all just said vastly different times. Yeah, last like season was 37 I yeah. it was 40 seconds. Something. So, you know, remember, all he's got to do is get into field goal range, and he's at the 30, 42. If we're comparing to last year, though, it's a much, di- in terms of explosiveness, it is a much different offense this year than last year. Could you have gone, this might be a naive question. Could you have gone hurry up to flip the field position and then run the clock? Well, no, because if you if you throw an incompletion, so let's say they throw it on first down and it's incomplete, okay? They throw it on it second down and it's complete and they call a timeout. Now it's third and one and you call a play and you don't get it. There's a minute, probably a minute 20 left because mm. Dallas is going to call a timeout right away. And so they got a minute 20 to drive on a punt until you start calling a timeouts after you get a first down. Once you get a first down, then you start calling using all your timeouts. Well, they only had one. I, I, I don't well, think the issue two. to start they the drive. The I, I think the issue is that they, they, they didn't give themselves enough time to run the full offense, and it would have been an issue but I don't, had they gotten I don't the first, buy first that. down. I don't buy that. I, don't, I think they could have done – they could have run or passed in that situation. They still had a timeout left. You know what's interesting is that, that the way that Matt LaFleur in, handled the end of regulation is really how he handled the entire game. Twice, one in each half, they had a fourth and short in plus territory where they lined their offense on the field and took a delay of game penalty instead of going for How many times in the past have we seen – from the forty to forty, the plus forty to forty-five yard line, Matt Lafleur go for a fourth and four, mm-hmm. and they didn't do that this time, which fits this team much better. They played the field position game, and gave their defense a better position, setting up with a long field. That's what they've needed to do. That's you know I said last week that mm-hmm. they didn't take the field goals. They they went for two too early. They left points on the field, not knowing his team. It was a better approach there. I I just. I don't think it was a bad approach in general, but I do think I do think that they they let a little they left uh, they they let enough time go by that it would have been an issue I think had they gone on and gotten that first down and and it, they they would have ran into a yeah problem. but it's a it's a risk reward I mean they won the game and it turned out that you know. Dallas didn't get the ball at the end of the regulation. So you can't really argue that it was wrong. You can argue that it was. They had it for like two plays at the end of the regulation. Yeah, they didn't really have a real chance at the end of regulation. So I don't know. It did work out. Either way, I still think it's like, all right, do you really have to just go off on your head coach like yeah. that yeah i mean it's just not a good luck i mean come on i thought he was i thought he acted a lot better today all through the game he his body language was better mm-hmm. he wasn't you know he like, didn't look oh, miserable you know. <laughs> even down two touchdowns yeah and even the drops he you know he wasn't like oh god you know and, and, and look what he did with christian well, watson after the second yeah. drop yeah so now, I, I just think those actions really do kind of undermine LaFleur. It makes him look weak. Mm-hmm. You know, McCarthy, I remember when, you remember, I forgot which game it was, Tampa, I think. And Rodgers was just like, 
bah, bah, screaming at him, and then they stand next to each other, and McCarthy's just like, what? You know, mm-hmm. like, he, he's just like, okay, fine, whatever. You know, but LaFleur is just so passive about it, and I wish he would bark back at him like he did when he first got here. To your point, Matt LaFleur completely owned it after the game. He said that the guys bailed him out, and he, of course he he's going to say yeah, that. Yeah, he's going to call him. So, he, he's very I mean, passive with that's it. That's where he should say, no, I disagree. We did it my way, and we won. Sorry. <laughs> you know, it worked really, out. What, can you imagine, you know, Bill Belichick? Uh, I shouldn't always go to Belichick, but let's, <laughs> he's you the know. He's standard. Nah, no, he's he's above. Could you imagine Mike Tomlin, you know, saying, um, oh, it's all my fault. I don't know why I did that, you know, because really, even though he, he really believes that it was the right thing to do, I just, anyway. Okay, let's move on. One one quick thing um, before we move on. You said something about um, the calls he made, taking the delay of game and then punting. I just want to reiterate that and, and get your opinion. Is that the sign of a coach finally accepting who his team is? I thought so because it's been all gas, no break all season, even though this offense has been no gas, all break. That's a good question. That is a really good question. And I, that's that's what I was thinking real-time live was, I mean, both those times they kept the offense on the field, and I'm like, what are they doing? What, you you punt, the, punt the ball. What are they in both times? They punted the ball. You, you, the way this team is designed is to clock control with offense, to set up its defense with favorable field position. It's not a defense that is dominant, that can handle bad positions time and time again, which is what was happening a lot earlier this season. The defense didn't handle it well. They put their defense in better positions, favorable positions, and they, they, they were okay with punting the ball and, and playing the long game, and I think that's the way they got to go. Guys, I feel like I have deja vu from asking this question, but is this the last we have seen of Amari Rodgers on punt return? Yes. I asked Matt LaFleur that after the game, and he was still not ready to say it definitively. I asked him point blank, is Keyshawn Nixon your new punt returner? And he said it will be evaluated. And then I asked him, what is at this point the argument for Amari Rogers to continue being punt returner? And he said that there is confidence that he will catch the ball and make the right decision. And I have no idea. Where is that confidence coming from? Why? Because he's now put the ball on the ground four times on punt returns this season. Two of their, you know, if this was a loss tonight, two two of their losses in what would have been a six-game losing streak could be directly traced to muff punts. How many fumbles did he have last year? Three? Well, the stat that I saw tonight, I have not verified it myself, but the stat that I saw tonight on Twitter was eight career catches, seven career fumbles. It's incredible. That, that is hard to do. Yeah. yeah. You can't you can't put no. him on the field. On and, that. like, he could be serviceable in the receiving core. Yeah, yeah. If he, he could do what they've asked Randall Cobb to do if they would just let him do it, I feel like. But he's not your punt returner, and yeah, continuing to put him out there is dangerous. Yeah, he's boy, something's 
You know, I, I they just can't trust him no, from this point I, I, on. I'm and I'm not that. sure about Keyshawn Nixon, given the way he caught that <laughs> He punt. palmed that Or that ball. he even caught the punt. Well, it's at the six-yard line, man. Let yeah. it roll in the end zone. Let me tell you this, though. This is what I liked about it, Spoon. It was a bad decision, but one, he didn't fumble it. Yeah. No, he sure didn't. Two... What have we? What has been our biggest knock against Amari Rogers besides the fumbles? The biggest, the first one was the fumbles. What's our second more knock against Amari Rogers Not as a punt returner? Not having the confidence to get yeah. up the field. That you sure as heck can't say Keyshawn Nixon wasn't confident <laughs> to reach up there and grab no, that ball. No, and he does hit it up hard. He um, does. Yeah, I don't know. I think they should consider Toure. I think mm-hmm. I've watched him, and he seems like he's pretty confident catching the ball. Mm-hmm. And he's quick. Mm-hmm. He's really quick. Um, and I don't know what – I know Kylan Hill's been working on punt returns. That's not a natural skill for him. I'd be curious if they've seen anything there. But I'd they be just curious can't go on with that. When Cobb comes back, if they stick him back there just to catch it and tell him don't put it – you know, just to keep it from getting put Absolutely on the ground. they could do that. Well, they tried that last year, and he fumbled one off his face. Oh, yeah, right that's away. right. He sure did, didn't he? I don't understand yeah. why they didn't go with Samari Torrey as a punt returner immediately after Washington. This is a coaching staff that entered the season playing nothing but zone coverage and has since changed to say, okay, sometimes man coverage is yeah. okay. They so slow to were extremely slow to put Josh Nyman to right tackle. They finally did that. They have been hit and miss and seemed to be coming around over the last couple weeks to Aaron Jones being the engine of their offense. The press Amari, coverage, they've gone yeah. into press mm-hmm. coverage. I think you just mentioned that. The, the Amari Rogers to the sideline and someone else a punt returner is, is the last reactive move that they've yet to make. And they, to your point, Spoon, they have been so slow to react in so many different areas. I just, I, I, I don't know why that move wasn't made immediately after Washington. Because at this point, you drop him back there to a field of punt at your own peril. You, yeah. it's, a, it's a ticking time bomb. Yeah, that was that. They were lucky that didn't cost them the game. It cost them the game in Washington. It could have and very easily have, cost them to, today. Absolutely. And it was a 14-point, yeah. possible 14-point yeah. If turnaround. they had lost today, that fumbled punt was the end of their season. Yeah. I know if Ron Wolf was the coach, was the GM of this team, <laughs> Mario Rogers would be looking for a job tomorrow. Yeah, and, and you know, I – he can do the the pre-snap motions and everything, but as a receiver, I, I, unless I'm I'm missing something, Cassidy, I I, don't, I haven't seen anything to make me think that he'd be a serviceable receiver either. Yeah, I haven't seen the, the burst like he had in college. Yeah, I guess I'm just, <coughs> and I'm thinking of when they went to him at Washington and they had to, they had no choice, no, there was. We were about to get pulled on the field to play receiver at Washington. Yeah, but he dropped the touchdown there, right? Yeah, but uh, so did Christian Watson. I just feel like he hasn't – I feel like he's got enough raw talent that it could be molded, but they just haven't used it at all. He could be shifty. I, I, I don't think, know. I think Christian Watson's a lot more talented than Amari Rodgers. I'm not saying send Amari Rodgers deep downfield. I'm saying use Amari Rodgers as a scat back. Yeah, they. I, I think I wouldn't get rid of him. He's on a minimum, you know, rookie minimum salary. You never know in a third year a guy can just blossom as a receiver, but I just wouldn't put him on punt returns right, right. now. And I wouldn't cut him. 
There's no need to cut him. No need to cut him. I agree with that. I just I, I wouldn't put him on the field. Yeah. Unless I, you I, had to. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and just a note because I know Pete and I got a lot of questions about this on our Facebook Live. So just to note it here as well. The reason Ahmad was on the kickoffs is because Mason Crosby was dealing with his back injury all week. Mm-hmm. And as Pete was explaining, you know, field goals, those are points, so you just power through it if you can. And the kickoffs, you have to get a running start. It's a little bit harder on that back, which is why they brought up another kicker. Longer the, kick, too. Yeah. He did not do very well. No. I mean, his kicks were short. And, and that's why he's not with an NFL team. He's – he, we, as we saw in camp, he can hit field goals. He, mm-hmm. He's pretty good, but he just does not have the leg to consistently put it in the end zone. Guys, short week now for the Packers. No victory Monday because they have a Thursday night game. So they'll be back in the building uh, tomorrow. <laughs> Darnell Savage after the game said, oh, my God, we have a game in two days. <laughs> he said, I'm not even going to watch the film from tonight. I got to go straight to Tennessee. So – I don't know if it's two days, Monday, Tuesday. Four. Yeah. <laughs> eh. Feels like two days, though, yeah. for these guys. Practice math. <laughs> Mr. Savage. So, Derrick Henry coming to town against a suspect rush defense could be interesting. We said they needed to split these games at the very least. They've at least got one of these wins under their belt. Uh, moving forward into a short week, I mean, what's the best medicine for that? Can you almost just – do you, you don't get to practice as much. You don't get to game plan quite as much. Two walkthroughs. That's mm-hmm. all they can do. You know, I, going into overtime is the worst thing that can happen to you going into a Thursday game. And Why? so, you know, the other worst thing is you have to travel for a Thursday game. So Tennessee and Green Bay are probably in the same boat. And you know what else is a bad thing going into a Thursday game? Mm-hmm. Losing your sixth straight. And that's where – yeah. It's a big win because it propels them into this Thursday night game, which is, I think, just me talking, I think another must-win game if they want to have any mathematical Mm -hmm. relevancy at the end of the year. I agree. So, now with that said, that's the intangible side. The tangible side is right here. It's right here on the box score. If they can duplicate this, they got a real shot. They're not a bad football team if they do this, and that means 38 carries for 200 yards it means 20 passes and picking your shots deep when they're there and using the actual fake game to set up the vertical passing game to complement the run game if they can duplicate that they got a shot i just don't know if they can yeah tennessee's flawed but they're not flawed like that in on defense Mm -hmm. they they will they will bring it you know where they're flawed is offense all they can do is run it so Mm -hmm. you just got to figure out a way to and Stop questions Henry. persist at their quarterback position. Mm-hmm. So, Well, we will be there to cover it for you all, and we will continue to have wrap-up coverage for you from Packers versus Cowboys on PackersNews.com, so stay tuned for that. And then we will see you soon on this short week. Thanks so much, guys. This has been the Green 19 Podcast from JS Online and PackersNews.com. Green 19!